since it is Advent, we've got an Advent wreath here, and I want to light the first candle. So Advent wreaths are a very old tradition, and the wreath, the roundness, is a symbol of God in many, many cultures, the circle that has no beginning and no end. And the wreath is green with the, from the trees that are always green, also in winter. They don't lose their needles, and so the green stands for the everlasting life and freshness of God. And we have four candles, one for each Sunday of Advent to symbolize the growing of the light. So we are celebrating the first of Advent today because um, in the official churches it's next week so that we have four weeks of preparation. We have meditations for each week. Um, we did the first one this morning and um, for every morning this week we invite you to join in on that meditation. Um, so that we can prepare our inner being for the arrival of Christmas, for the arrival of Jesus and the big light of Christ in this world. And so Christmas doesn't just happen by accident. Uh, Mary is not just asked randomly, hey, do you want to be the mother of God? Here, get pregnant from the spirit and off you go. <laughs> she has done extensive preparations she is a very attuned being. And so the invitation for us in this Advent season is to attune to Mother Mary, to help Mother Mary attune ourselves to our own nature, to our feelings, to our life, to our deepest inner longings, to our soul, our heart, and in all that to God. And Mother Mary, obviously, she's a feminine, and the feminine stands for receptivity, for being the soil, right? The womb that carries, the soil of the earth that nourishes, that provides the ground, um, the subconscious that receives and then bears fruit. And so the soil needs to be prepared. It needs to be there first. Mother Mary always comes first. You can't have a seed and carry that around. Um, it will wither. You need to have the soil and then you can plant the seed. And so that's why we in this spiritual organization focus on Advent and really take these four weeks to prepare ourselves as we tune into different aspects of Mother Mary. And we have readings for each week from our spiritual director, Isadora Torres. These are spiritual fiction. Many of you will have heard them last year. So these are not descriptions of how it absolutely was. They are not to rival the gospel story either. They are a spiritual meditation received in meditation from Isadora Therese of the inner state of Mother Mary and of the energy that she carries and how she was able to prepare and be prepared so as to be able to receive the gift of the grace of God, of the spirit of God, in fact, of the seed of God in herself. <clears throat> so the story we are reading today is about the Annunciation. And I invite you to listen to this, really attuning to the energy of Mother Mary and the energy in the story. And then we'll, I'll talk a little bit about, draw attention to specific aspects of the story. Mary was sleeping in the little room next to the pantry. Her bed consisted of a thick mat that was woven from long grassy material. 
On top of the grassy mat was one that was woven from the faded scraps of old clothing that had become too threadbare to men. She was comfortable in her simple bed and was kept warm by her outer cloak, which she used as a blanket. Next to her, both her parents were also sleeping soundly on their mats. Then Mary began to stir under her blue cloak. She was dreaming about the coming of the Messiah. It was the same dream she had been having for months. In her dream, she sees the Messiah as a grown man, bathed in sunlight and floating towards her. She feels herself rising into the sky to meet him. The light is so bright that she feels it in her bones. Her heart feels so full of love and longing that she worries for a moment that it might burst. But this time in the dream, she hears a voice that sounds like a whisper. And yet it is at the same time thunderingly loud, like tornado winds or the sounds of a waterfall. He says, go to the garden to meet me. And then suddenly she was awake. She opened her eyes and saw only darkness. She heard the rain falling heavily on the roof and remembered the sound of the divine voice. Her eyes adjusted to the darkness, but she could only see little shadows of light. She was unconcerned because she knew the room by heart and stood slowly, wrapping herself in her cloak as she went. She moved silently out of the room and walked through the main room and out the back door into the garden area. She stepped onto the stone pathways with bare feet. The rain was falling so heavily that she was nearly instantly soaked. She looked up smiling at the sky and felt an ecstasy growing in her chest. She felt drawn to a little trellised area of the garden where the roses of Sharon grew. She stepped under the trellis, but it offered very little protection from the rain. She knelt down on the stone floor and began reciting a memorized prayer of exaltation and longing. As she prayed, she looked upward towards the moon, which was only visible as a diffuse light, which illuminated the clouds. The rain streamed down her face, but she no longer noticed it, as she was so deeply consumed in prayer. Then suddenly, a bright light with a slightly purple tint appeared in the sky and moved quickly, quickly toward her. She could not see the angel themselves, only a radiant ball of amethyst light, which was growing larger and larger as it approached. A rushing sound, like the one in her dream, accompanied the light and became more and more deafening as it grew closer. When the luminous angel was about a hundred feet away, she saw that the rain was evaporating in the atmosphere of light around the angel, creating a vast halo of incandescent mist. The light within her grew more and more intense as the light of the resplendent angel drew near. The inner and outer world seemed to merge, and it seemed that Gabriel was standing on the ground in front of Mary 
And at the same time, Mary was kneeling in the spiritual world. As if the whole garden was transported to another place by also staying exactly as it was. Suddenly, Mary found that her clothes were dry and her hair as well, and the rain had turned into a gentle mist. She heard the voice of Gabriel within her ears, and at the same time, the angel's voice seemed to be inside her mind. Gabriel said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The angelic voice was like the voice in her dream. It was somehow a deafening rush of air and water and also a quiet, calm, inner voice. Mary was accustomed to communing with the presence of God within her own being. But the physical presence of the angel was new and overwhelming. She heard the greeting, but could not make sense of it. Her body reacted to the overwhelming sensation and she felt a kind of electric pulse move through her body. Then Gabriel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the exalted God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary replied, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the holy begotten child will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month, month for her. He was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary then understood what the angel was saying. Her heart flooded with irrepressible joy when Gabriel spoke his name. It felt as if she had loved someone her entire life without having a name for them. Hearing his name brought him closer to her, and that closeness brought an avalanche of happiness to her whole being. She knew in every cell of her being that she wanted nothing more than to invite that soul into her womb to grow and to share his destiny. She felt the presence of Jesus before her and said to him in her heart, my beloved, I have prepared a place for you. And then she looked up at the angel and said aloud, here I am, the servant of God. Let it be with me according to your word. As soon as Mary spoke those words, the angel disappeared, and all the divine light seemed to condense into a tiny speck. And then, as it expanded again, it took the form of a star. Mary knew immediately that it was the soul of Jesus. She felt the presence of the Holy Spirit calling forth her own soul to meet him. 
as her soul expanded, its radiance encompassed her whole body. And when it reached the light of Jesus' soul star, the two lights united with one another in an explosion of light. The two divine souls communed in a pool of love, light and life, while wrapped in the cool darkness of the spring night. Mary slipped into a timeless state of communion with Jesus and God. And when she opened her eyes, hours had passed. The sun was rising and the sky was streaked with incredible bursts of colors, as if the sky was strewn with fireworks in celebration of the miracle that happened in the night. So that is the story. And I want to draw attention to a few aspects of the story, three levels at which Mary has been preparing and had been preparing in order to be able to receive this huge light and to achieve that state where her inner being merges with the spiritual and where it is described that the, the angel is kneeling in the world, in the material world, but at the same time, she is kneeling in the spiritual world. The two have merged. And that is what we are called for. Even though we are not physically going to birth the Christ, we are spiritually invited to achieve that same, into that same state of merging the material with the spiritual, our lives with the energy of the love and the light of God. So in the story, Mary has prepared, or it becomes obvious that she has prepared for this on a material level, on an emotional and spiritual level, and then in prayer, prayer and spiritual level. Now I want to talk very briefly about each of them. Physically, materially, it's clear that she's very comfortable. It literally says she's comfortable. It is the description of a rather poor dwelling, faded clothes that are woven into a, into a mat where she sleeps and she's using her cloak. She doesn't have an extra blanket. She's using her coat um, and yet she's comfortable. She knows her way around, she is at peace. And so there's the invitation to use whatever material we have, whatever our material situation is, to embrace it, to make peace with it, to be at one with it, not to deny it and say, oh, I don't like this, and I wish it wasn't this way, and I wish there was a nicer blanket, it was warmer, and it didn't rain but to be with it and accept and know it. And from then, things can grow. We can't deny the spiritual, the physical world that we are in. And at the same time, want to achieve some spiritual uh, insight. It goes through our bodies, through the material embrace of our being, our body, our situation. Then the second is that she's very attuned with her emotional state. I find it very symbolic and not coincidental that in the story it is raining. And she does not stop. She doesn't say, oh, I can't go out because it's raining. And rain is what fertilizes the earth, the ground that's prepared, the soil that's prepared, her material world that she knows so well, the stone path, the trellises, the roses of Sharon. Her material world gets fertilized, gets enriched, comes alive through this rain. And so she embraces that too. 
And symbolically, water also stands for emotions, for feelings. And she lets the rain pour over her, wash over her. She's in tune with her feelings and also with her subconscious. So the other part here that also relates to the gospel story that Benjamin read is that she has been dreaming. Her subconscious has been speaking to her and she doesn't write it off. She is attuned also to her dreams. She has taken stock. She knows she's been dreaming the same dream. She's attuned to what it might mean. And the dream in turn is attuned to her longing. It is her soul speaking of her longing for the coming of the Messiah to alleviate the suffering in the world. And so when she goes out, when she wakes up and there's a shift in the dream, she's attuned to that and she follows her heart. Because she knows herself so well, the material world and her inner being, her heart, her feelings. When a feeling comes up, she sits with that. And so she feels drawn to go outside. And when it's dark and it's raining, she doesn't doubt herself. She asks her heart and she says, okay, I feel drawn to go to the trellis. And then she feels drawn to kneel in the middle of the rain with her poor clothes. And she kneels and prays. And so that's the third level of preparation is the spiritual, the attunement to the longing of her heart and expressing that in every way and in every moment. She has been praying, it is clear, for a long time for the, for the coming of the Messiah. And when she's out there and it's raining and she felt drawn and there's nothing visible, nothing seems to happen, she doesn't doubt herself. What does she do? She prays. She kneels down, she humbles herself. Kneeling is a posture of, of receiving, the ultimate receiving. Where we kneel, we humble ourselves, and we are in a posture where we can not act, but receive, be given to us. And she takes that posture to pray to God and to tune herself as much as she can to the grace of God. And it is in that moment when she opens herself as much as she possibly can that the angel comes and she receives the spark of God that she has been praying for. So I invite you to tune into these qualities of the peacefulness and ease in the material world, even though there is difficulties, there's poverty, there's rain, there's dirt. There are things that we wish they would be different. And yet allowing them, working with them, being with them. And the same with our feelings, our dreams, honoring them. If we feel something is weighing on us, not pushing it away, but honoring it, being with it, taking it, accepting it, receiving it. And then honoring and feeling into our heart, into our spiritual longing. And so the beautiful thing of this Advent season is that is really we have four weeks to tune ourselves to Mary, to our longing in this way. And we have the meditation every morning. So this week will be the meditation we did this morning. And then a new meditation will start on the second of Advent. But we have a different meditation every night where we can attune to a particular quality of Mary. So those are tools to help us attune to this receptive state the state in which we receive and accept what we have and what is. 
in order from there to then receive more, more wisdom, more light, more love, more life. So I invite you into those practices, keeping the story and these qualities of Mother Mary in your heart as you prepare. And if you do outward preparations, decorating your home, already setting up the Christmas tree, uh, whatever it may be, I invite you to do this consciously, bringing the Mother Mary quality in and using the external preparation as a token, a symbol of your inner preparation, just like the Advent candle and the wreath are symbols of our inner preparation. And blessings as you move into your personal Advent. <laughs>